Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. This is Charity Gibson with a fun episode of the Badass Women of Promo podcast. Today, I have one of my favorite people on the planet, Sam Brown from Brandvia. And just want to welcome Ron today. We have a couple fun things to talk about and some interesting topics of conversation getting into the differences between men and women in the workplace. So, Sam, how are you? I'm good. <laughs> okay, Sam. we're going to talk about a lot more than that. Contentious <laughs> issue right there. Yeah. Just jump right in. So fun. So tell us before we get started, I just want to know a little bit more. I know a little bit about you. Um, I have followed you, I think, since I actually first heard you on a Common Skew podcast that you did with Mark Graham. Um, Mm -hmm. But tell us kind of a little bit about how you got in the industry and what you do for Brandvia. How I got into the industry. So uh, I never wanted to be in sales, right? What? (laughs) Whoever does, I don't want to sell, get rejected. Uh, so I'm going to say back in 2000, yeah, way back when now, um, I interviewed with one of the uh, promotional firms in Ottawa, Canada, where I come from, and uh, they, uh, the, the owner there did a great sales job on me, a good pitch, and convinced me that I could make a difference by selling uh, unique marketing collateral. And so um, I, I hitched my start of that wagon who... Uh, is Promo Media back in the old days, who was part of the Facilis group way back when, who was, you know, merged on. I spent five years working with them, did some marketing for them because I thought we could do things a little better than just, but I was mainly a salesperson. And then uh, five years after that, like I said, I got an opportunity to um, kind of start my own little shop. I joined another woman who had a promotional marketing agency. We branded that thing. And uh, 10 years later, doing math. Yeah, 10 years later, I, um, I bought another promotional company somewhere in the middle, bought a promotional company somewhere in the middle, and then 10 years, so 2015, I sold that and moved to California. That, that's a good summary, right? <laughs> totally. It's that segue. It's great. You're like, here, <laughs> bought this, sold this, and now I'm in California. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, married a guy somewhere in the middle of all of that, and he really wanted to move to California where there are no bugs. And uh, no snow. That was what the big <laughs> for him. And so we jumped here right to Silicon Valley. He had a job he moved to and I had none. I said I was going to do yoga forever and uh, went crazy very quickly, not having a company to run. So uh, I went to my first networking event in the U.S. at that point. I went to the Women's Leadership Conference back then in 2015, I guess. And I met some amazing women who... Uh, I connected with and networked with, and within six months, I was working as the marketing director at Brandvia. So that's what I do here. Um, we didn't have a marketing department when I started here, so we've done a little bit since I got here three and a half years ago now, and um, that brings us to present day. Awesome. I love how you say you've done a little bit since then, because if you guys are out there in listening to this podcast world, go check out their Instagram feed and some of the stuff that they've done um, at Brandvia. And you guys, you turn out some of the coolest stuff. Your graphic team, I know at Peerless, we've worked with you guys on a couple of projects and it's um, it's killer, the stuff that you guys come up with. So you're definitely making a name for yourself and for the for the group there. And it's super fun to watch. So Congratulations. It seems like you have, um, you've come a long way in three years from yoga too. <laughs> yeah, my kids are happier too that I'm not such a witch at home. Um, <laughs> we've got some great talent in the art department here and that's something else we've launched since I got here. And, um, you know, re- I'm really fortunate that uh, I don't, I don't think Jim and Doug, when they uh, engaged me, really knew what we were in for. 
and uh, it's been a bumpy ride, but we've, uh, we've, we've all learned a lot up here. So there's, there's a lot more to come. That's very cool. Very cool. One of the things that you mentioned um, in the middle of your uh, life story there was talking a little bit about Women's Leadership Conference. And mm -hmm. uh, we just actually came back from that just a couple of weeks ago. And actually, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on. And one of the things I want to talk about, you actually stood up and you made a very prolific statement. And I thought it was really interesting. Um, and again, this podcast is definitely 100% about spotlighting women and nothing to do with denigrating men at all. But I think sometimes it's really important to discuss some of the differences that exist between um, male and female in the workplace and just our personalities, how we're, you know, hardwired as far as like our DNA is concerned. And you stood up and was, you said that on occasion when um, women express uh, passion about their career or accepting an award or something like that. Um, occasionally they can become emotional and that's, you know, sometimes seen as a negative thing. Whereas occasionally if men are in the same position, they're standing up to an accept award or, you know, um, they express uh, emotion, uh, they're seen as passionate instead. And so obviously there's some stereotyping going on and I don't see that a ton in our industry. I think obviously, um, and I definitely also think it's getting better, but can you jump in a little bit more on that? I think you had such a unique perspective and you said it with such eloquence. It wasn't like offensive or anything like that. You were just addressing the, the divide that exists. So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, sure. And, and, and as you said, this is, you know, we're talking in generalizations, not every woman when she expresses herself comes across as emotional and not every man comes across as a piece of cardboard when he presents, right? Right. So, I, yeah, <laughs> just want to make sure <laughs> we can put that out there. Yeah, we're not. A lot of, you know, there, there are many books that support this as well as this idea of um, men and women are wired differently by nature, right? They're, they're constructed differently. They look at and, and see things differently, right? Which is why there are many studies that say having a woman on a board where it's typically been male dominated gives you a different perspective on things. Um, and that different perspective gives you a more holistic view. And so there's many arguments for why having a more balanced leadership team in any organization is better for the entire business, bottom line included. So just to put that out there, if, if we agree that both men and women belong equally in any organization, I think we have to acknowledge that we do communicate differently. And I'm in no way a specialist on this. I've talked to many who are, and I've worked with um, a consultant in, in Toronto actually talking about how to speak to your typical male leader um, versus how to speak to a typical female leader. And it, it's everything from how you use your voice to how you position yourself in talking to someone. So, and, and, and what they would suggest is if you, if you want to talk to a guy and you want him to get you get on the same side as you, you physically want to stand beside him and not in front of them. And that, that was really interesting. Oh, yeah. And that, when you're talking to a woman, you want to be face to face because that's how we prefer to communicate to each other. Right, face to face is how we resolve our issues. Guys work side by side. Again, generalizations, but she had a ton of information that was really interesting to me. How where you sit at a table, even anyway. To go back to that, I get excited. I speak. More. <laughs> it's how I work. I love it. At WLC was really this idea of I've been in many meetings and I wear my heart on my sleeve. That's who I am. I'm very transparent for people who've not met me. And you know, there are often times where I get passionate about things. And, and I'm not one to cry. I'm more one to stomp my feet when I get real, like, are you still hearing me? 
and, and that is a detriment, right? If, you, if I'm trying to sway a bunch of men in the room and I seem to be passionate and I'm not calm and relaxed, for some reason, there's this interpretation that I'm not equally weighed versus a counterpart who's male saying the same things, but doing it without the emotion, right? He's seen as that's a brilliant idea versus I'm like, oh, she's emotional, right? And emotional for some reason has this, as you mentioned, negative connotation. Like, so if I'm really stoked about something, like that's going to be awesome. I can't believe it's going to be a great idea. You should definitely run with that. All of the extra energy that came with that counts against me. Versus if you thought about it, if you had, you know, that kind of banker mentality, no offense to my banker friends, who <laughs> sway you and they're doing it in this manner that's very business-like, you know, hands are still in their lap and they're really just giving you the same business points I've given you, but in a calm, detailed manner, that's more likely to sway you to say yes versus me who gives you, again, the same points, but in a more, uh, either a flurry of information or my hands are moving a lot. For some reason, then I'm not seen as just as persuasive. Yeah, right. Well, and I think you did bring up a good point, though, um, when you're talking about not being, or the fact that we are generalizing here, because I think there is such a huge difference between men and women and the way that we're wired to communicate and how in, uh, information is transferred. Um, but I also love that you brought in the um, information from the consultant about, you know, speaking face to face and being next to each other. Um, depending on who you're talking to and changing your communication style. And I think that's important to know, again, crossing gender, taking gender completely out of it, understanding personality types too, because I'm a sanguine, um, which is like 2% of the entire population, I think is deemed a true sanguine personality. And uh, I read this book once and one of the things that it mentioned was uh, a, basically a, a tour guide on how to manage your sanguine friends and if you're in a relationship with a sanguine it's like how do I get my sanguine mate to stop and listen to me and not be as excited male or female it really wasn't about um, you know gender at that point it was about personality and they actually said look them straight in the eye if you need to hold their face in your hands and say stop for a moment I really need you to listen to this. This is important. And that's the way to break their um, or my cycle um, with my, you know, ADD and hyperactivity and all this, you know, the flurry of information that you mentioned and really get us to kind of stop, listen and pay attention and, and understand this is a moment where I really need you to listen in the way that I'm communicating to you. And I think sometimes, again, gender aside, we don't stop to take into account people's personalities enough and how they're, you know, comfortable communicating. Or like you said, you're the banker slowing down and providing things in a very methodical, rational, calm point of view. Um, what's the most effective means of communication? And so I think that those are cool points that you bring up. Um, and I wonder now, do you think in that situation like that we need to adjust or do we just need to be more accepting uh, on, on both sides? Uh. I'm going to go, I don't know what a sanguine personality means. So I just want to throw that out there. And uh, Yeah, we talk a lot. <laughs> We're just super happy, super hyper. Like a true sanguine is energized by people all the time. Like I don't get exhausted by people at all. It's like 100% energy. It's like a little chipmunk all the time. Yeah, you so probably experience. <laughs> an extroverted personality typically is yeah. very synonymous with that. 
Um, I think you're right in the personality piece. I also think when you started talking about that, it was that introvert extrovert piece and that whole book that was written called Quiet. I'm not sure if you've read that. I haven't. Probably should though. <laughs> is the, typically an opposite of you. Uh, my husband's a quiet personality. He's introverted. And so, you know, they say 50% of the world are introverted, but the 50% of the world that's extroverted is the percentage that gets the attention, mm-hmm. right? We're the ones talking and sharing our opinions. Uh, and it, you can't have a balance of anything. Like if, if 50% of the world or 100% of the world is run by thus of us that are loud and obnoxious and excited about things, would all this stuff get done? Right? I'm not saying we don't do our work. <laughs> we equally need the quieter, methodical, right. who do the work and, and can execute in the background or that, you know, we'll, we'll work behind the scenes with those loud, uh, you know, charismatic salespeople that help sway a room of 200 people to get behind this year's fall launch or whatever it is, right? There's not everyone is this, you know, amazingly charismatic leader who can, you know, stir a room emotionally. Right. So I think there's, I think you're right in the personality. You need to have both to make anything work. Um, and I think we all need to acknowledge the fact that we don't all have the same communication styles and just because theirs isn't yours doesn't make it wrong. And so we have to, you know, for some of us, we have to be a little more patient with the slower cadenced presenters who maybe don't have the passion to engage people on an emotional level. And so it takes us, and it's harder for us to sit through a two hour presentation of someone who's a little dry, um, versus someone who's more engaging, and then for the other half who is quiet, they get overloaded with someone like you or me who might be presenting because there's just so much energy coming off. They're not sure where to take the message from. So I think you're, you know, to answer your question, I think we, we need both sides, but we need to be more open-minded and just more, you know, on the inclusive and diverse these days, like everything else. Yeah, no, and I, I can definitely see that too. So where, you know, I'm saying take gender out of it, if you put gender back in, I think the same principle still applies and like, the idea that we can be more accepting, we can give a little bit more grace, we can be more open-minded and really try and see where that person's coming from, what makes them the way they are, and really be appreciative of the differences that um, we all bring to the table, whether it's in our personality differences or whether it's gender differences or even, um, you know, cultural diversity as well. I think sometimes we tune out if they're um, somebody across the table, you know, has a different um, bias than us, even just in how they were raised. So I love that there's something that we can take this discussion a little bit further or a lot further and um, kind of just see both sides. I think for the men, obviously, it's an eye-opening thing to, you know, um, when you hear this, hopefully, you know, pay attention that next time that, you know, woman is speaking and they're excited and really realize where that comes from. It's a place of passion. And yes, it's emotional because we do share emotion, but that is in our nature. And likewise, you know, um, I have a, a, a huge appreciation for how men deliver information sometimes. And so I definitely have learned to appreciate that. I do try and model um, a lot of my communication that way, but it changes depending on what setting I'm on, right? Like in this situation or in a lot of business situations, I'm just, I'm always talking because I feel, again, passionate. I want to convey all those messages. So um, I love that you brought that to the table and definitely appreciate that. Um, Along those same lines and talking about those things, uh, what advantages have you seen 
from being a strong female in the workplace and having this understanding Mm -hmm. of how people communicate. And um, obviously you have a background in it. You're thriving in this environment too. So I'm just curious how you've, how you've seen this play to you, um, play as a positive in your life. I like that you're spinning it to a positive. Um, (laughs) I I think, and I mentioned, you know, having, uh, coming from my own, running my own business, where it was very clear to me the leadership roles, like I was on top and these were my team and client relationships look like this. Um, that for someone like me who's very direct and at the same time uh, honest can be painful. Um, and so coming here to where I work now, where we had 120 people when I started, um, was a little hard. It was kind of like um, parents who go away for a while without their kids and then come back. We refer to this as re-entry. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. kind of when you come back in. And so I think both sides of the relationship when I joined Brandia, we kind of went through this re-entry phase where I had been on my own, you know, for 15 years or 10 years. And then uh, coming back into, or coming into Brandia where they had, you know, a hierarchy and they had management and, and people that had established relationships. For someone like me to come in was rough on a lot of people. It was rough on me because I was getting the feedback that, you know, a bull in a china shop is how I have heard myself <laughs> referred to. Um, and it's, I find it's interesting. Um, so, you know, I guess about five days after I joined the team, I kind of, I put together a report. So remember I come from running my own shop, working with other large organizations, never, you know, my shop was never as big as Brandia. Um, but having run my own shop and looked at things operationally before. And so when I came here and I kind of had a week on the ground, I interviewed a lot of people and I kind of talked to them about what's what, um, I had a lot of suggestions. I'm like, hey, these are things we might improve. And if, you know, when I look at it in hindsight, I can understand why it wasn't received all that well after I was here for a whole five days. And <laughs> to do. But at the time, I, was, I just wanted to make a difference, right? I just wanted to see how I could help because I knew I had some experience in ways that maybe they weren't seeing things, they didn't see them my way. And so, you know, we've had these moments of where I'm like, hey, have you noticed that, you know, the sky is blue? And they're like, uh, yeah. Thanks, Sam. We, yeah, <laughs> we got that. Um, and, but at the same time, there's things like, well, did you notice that the, you know, let's use another obvious example. Did you notice that the floors are round? They're like, actually, no, uh, never bothered to look at those. Like they're below our feet. And so when it came to branding and marketing and things like that, there was a lot of opportunity for us to work together, but it did take like the friction points were certainly there. And um, I'm certain we haven't worked them all out yet because my style is different than, what they had in this culture when I joined. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I know we weren't necessarily talking about this before, but as you're saying this, I'm kind of reliving my first couple days at Fearless and it's kind of the same thing, right? You come in with these fresh new ideas and these people have been there for 18, 28, 38 years and are tenured. And, and so they do know that the sky is blue, but I think sometimes we forget of, you know, like you kind of, after you, for instance, I bought a new house and I hated the counters in the kitchen. And now that I've been here for six months, I barely notice the counters in the kitchen anymore. And so it's just funny that you say that. Um, I'm definitely still going to change the counters eventually, but I had to write it on my list to remember how much I hated them um, because you just get in the day to day and then you stop seeing them. There's like new things. And anyway, so I think it's just funny that there were things that were so strikingly obvious to me when I first started that mm-hmm. maybe these people hadn't seen because they had been 
um, you know, just entrenched in it for so long. But at the same time, me coming in and putting a microscope on all of these things and being so, um, you know, I, I'm not exactly, like you said, the bull in a china shop. I wasn't exactly tactful about it sometimes or as tactful, I think, as I could have been or as respectful of the tenure that all these people had um, mm -hmm. when I came in as well. And I think I'm learning that, especially now as I'm phasing actually not out of Promo Kitchen, I'm still part of Promo Kitchen, but the editorial role and the social media role, new people are taking that place. And I'm over here like, but wait, what about this? Wait, remember this? Wait, we used to do it this way. And they're like, we didn't know that. And quite frankly, it's now, it's not before, it, you know, we, it's not really relevant. And so um, I completely appreciate the direction that your conversation just took right now, because I hope everybody out there can also relate walking into a new position and wanting to feel like you can make such a huge change and be such a huge difference maker. And I love that you said now in retrospect and the things that you're learning, it's like we can do all of those things, but with tact, with finesse, with better communication skills and by taking all these things that we're kind of learning and taking that friction and working through it instead of just, you know, abandoning ship or anything like that. Um, and I think that speaks leader or speaks volumes to the leadership team too at Brandvia, which I'm sure you're probably experiencing. And you mentioned that before, like um, they probably foster that environment, I'm guessing. And obviously. I, th I think they do it. And, and so and it's really, it speaks to the dichotomy between our two communication styles, right? Yeah. Um, there's that silent or not silent, but very quiet leader who just, I can imagine what the conversation is in, in some heads when I, you know, say something, <laughs> right. You know, the, 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 um, you know, the rope they've given me over the last few years. And I, I've said this publicly at our all hands meetings, like I got enough rope to hang myself on a regular basis. And fortunate for me, I've never gotten, not, I've never gotten caught up. Um, but you know, they, they do give me a lot of room, um, but I am outspoken. And so just to bring it back to the purpose of the conversation about this idea of you know, how men and women express themselves, I think you may be on point there when we talk about, um, is it really about gender or is it about personality? Because there are equally, you know, when I go back to my university days, there are some, some guys in my class that stuck out who were equally passionate about stuff. And um, they're great, great sales, you know, leaders now, some of them here in the Bay Area, that, you know, they were, you know, outspoken and could rare, could, could get a room behind them in no time. So, but, yeah, so, but they, they stammer like I do when they're talking. But when, you know, when my friend Mark here, I'm going to use, when Mark stands in front of a room um, to convey things and he gets excited and he's moving quickly, people get excited with him. And I'm not sure that happens in a smaller setting as much with Mark or I, right? When I'm in a small setting of six executives trying to persuade them, I sure, I think maybe my level of emotion will do me a disservice yeah. rather than serve me well. And, and it might do the same for Mark. I would actually have to ask him, but we do have to go back to what you were saying, this idea of um, making sure we are ready to listen to people, whether they come in, you know, fully loaded, and, you know, whatever number of Cokes they've had or whether they come in calm and collected, you know, the, the, the data is the same. And I think as leaders, we have to be ready to hear it, no matter the presentation. Yeah, and I, and I, I definitely agree with you 100% that the level of excitement, the way that they're portraying different things and the, um, the 
emotion and the psychology and the behavior patterns and the communication style. Um, but yeah, and it's not necessarily that as much as it is how it's perceived. And so that, I guess, if we're talking about wrapping this whole thing up and kind of bringing it back, it would definitely, the people that are, are perceiving. So if you're sitting in the boardroom, if you're the one in the chair, if you're the, you know, um, audience member listening to the presentation, I guess that would just be, if we could have like one takeaway point from this whole thing would be just be aware, I guess, be cognizant of how you're listening and what, uh, not value, I guess, but what attribute or what you're attributing to the passion or the emotion behind the speak or the speaker. And if you take that gender out of it, are we giving that same respect and that same um, admiration to the female who is passionate as the male? So I love that you brought that up. And it's so cool just to just to be able to talk about that in a, you know, a rational setting without um, stirring any feathers and just kind of talking about it at point blank and it taking it at face value that you know, this is kind of just how it is. And we just have to be aware of it. And hopefully being aware of it helps to change that um, so, and, and move that ball forward. Given what you just said, though, so I, I want to point this out. So why do we have to say it's nice to have a conversation without stirring any feathers? My, my further point would be, why is it bad to stir feathers? Good point. Right? Good like, point. why can't, like, if we're both engaged and passionate about something, right? Why is that a bad conversation? Like fierce conversations are scary to people. And maybe that's why emotion scares the average Joe. Um, right? Is that if I'm passionate and I have it out there, then maybe people are afraid of hurting my feelings with a negative response or not buying in what I'm trying to sell them on. But I, I did hear you in your summary basically say, you know, we did, we were able to have a calm conversation and I was interested in the wording because it was, you know, it was calm, therefore it was good. <laughs> it was good you're and right conversations and the best relationships that are built have come through those moments of tumultuous disagreement but to come out the other side and we're the best of friends right like clients yeah. you mess up on and you fix that beautifully they love you forever yep relationships where we've had the biggest blowouts are my closest friends so you know you have to come through the fire to come out the other side and if you never have a relationship or a conversation with someone sorry if you never have a conversation that's ever animated or emotional, then do you really have a decent relationship with that person? Or do you just have a, you know, a passing fancy kind of thing? No, you're, tr that's exactly 100% correct. The exact thing that we were talking about avoiding, I walked right into. Sorry. Uh, no, I love that you brought that up. That's it, it. And you're right. That's exactly. And I think I love that you, you brought up, you nailed it when you said you're, people are afraid that if there's conflict or if there's, you know, it's an animated conversation that you won't be able to convert somebody over or whatever. And I think that you're, it's completely fear-based because I always want to be heard. And I sometimes feel like if you're pushing against, they always say like, don't yell at your children because you know, the more that you, you yell, the less that they hear. And so that's a programming thing. It's been like ingrained in my head forever that when you yell, people don't listen. And, um, but it doesn't have to be yelling. It can be, it can be animated talking. <laughs> it's kind of like a dance walk, right? Animated talking. So mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. You just totally put me in my place, Sam Brown. Not my intention, you know that. No, it's a, no in a good way. I'm okay. See, no, no, don't you go back backing off. <laughs> Stand your ground. <laughs> no, my intention was to point out something. It was not to do anything. That's always my, I always come from a place of transparency. It's so cool. I love how you do that too. I, you, you've, um, I've always admired that about you. You just, you say it like it is and you definitely make us think. So, um, thank you for that. Um, 
<laughs> I know you have a hard stop here in a minute, so I won't keep you um, that much longer. I do want to know, though, we always ask this question. I just would love to know who in the industry you consider to be. Um, obviously, we consider you a badass woman of promo, and we know why. We're learning more about that in this last couple minutes. But who do you consider to be a badass woman of promo and why? Um, so I'm going to, uh, we talked about I, my favorite person in the industry currently, and I have a lot of amazing women that I work with, are those quiet leaders that do it on the down low. And so, you know, being that I am the outspoken magnanimous, I'm not, not, what's the word I'm looking for, but we'll leave it at that, this outspoken loud personality. I love the quiet conversations I have with some of these women. Um, I, I love um, Joan with Axis. Is, is one of my favorites and I'm not sure if she's you know I've seen her feature in magazines but I never really hear her speaking publicly um, because she is a she's an amazing strategist mm -hmm. um, and then my other is always going to be Vicki Ostro I think we were born to the same mother at one point <laughs> um, and I admire her the same it's that level of quiet between them they have this calmness that is per that just you know, it comes from them, from the soul. And I, I love watching them just quietly move like swans through the world. It's, and you, so Joan, I've not met, obviously I know a lot of people at Access, so I'm going to have to seek her out. And I couldn't agree with you more on Vicky and talk about passion. You'll talk to Vicky and have a conversation and then she gets on stage and she gets on fire talking about um, what she's passionate about. So two amazing picks and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's, it's fun to watch the quiet leaders. I have a little niece that's nine years old and she's one of those kids that she just kind of sits in the corner taking everything in. And my other niece kind of is a little bit of a troublemaker, but we always joke around that Allie could be the one that actually takes over the world one day because she's kind of quietly plotting in the corner. So, um, <laughs> And definitely, definitely appreciate those personalities. Well, thank you, Sam, so much for being here, for being part of this. Um, definitely appreciate it. If you guys have somebody you'd like to nominate as a Badass Moon of Promo, please visit www.badassmoonofpromo.com. And want to also send a huge shout out to our sponsor, Common Skew, who takes care of us and supports um, strong women in the workplace and in the industry in general. So Sam, thanks so much for being here. And we'll let you get out of here and get, get on with your day. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.